Welcome to Courage in Action. We are a sisterhood of women empowering women to be everything we are meant to be. I'm your host, Naluka Kotagara, and it is my privilege to join your life journey as we connect with some extraordinary, triumphant, and beautifully imperfect women through this podcast. Together, we hope to inspire you to take action towards your life goals, one courageous step at a time. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Courage in Action. Today, I am very happy to be joined by Erin Leslie. She has leveraged over 20 years of experience as a leader in the tech world to now pay it forward through leadership and career coaching. She is the president of EQ Footprints and charges forward with the goal of helping people get through barriers that are in front of them to move forward to their next success. Welcome, Erin. Thank you so much, Naluka. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm very excited to chat with you today. Uh, So Erin, you made a very bold and courageous move in your career um, that I think a lot of us as women and and I think people in general aren't necessarily always brave enough to do and we probably overthink it. So you left a very stable world from the technology field and charged out on your own and went into coaching. So what inspired you to make that move? Um, Initially, when I started the company, um, my goal was to help others no longer be, um, you know, in a sense of, in a position of defense and bullied by the corporate world. And so I was very, like, inspired to support people through negative avenues of career career change. Um, and also to provide positive outlooks on how to improve your career, whether you're in a tight position or not. And so... For me, that initial step into entrepreneurialism was daunting, um, but I did it in a very staged approach. I made sure that I didn't just jump in um, without looking at financials, looking at budgets, looking at supports, looking at networks, um, and and the avenues and the target audience that I wanted to reach out to so that I could be better informed about how I was gonna go about this and really do a pilot run. Before um, before I leap, and so it's been a, th- a three year pilot, um, but it's been very fruitful and very um, rewarding to help so many people with career coaching and leadership coaching. Awesome. So, how, what do you mean by pilot? How did you set that up? I think any um, initial entrepreneur really has to outweigh, um, you know, the test, the litmus test for their brand, their marketing, um, and the type of people that they want to support. Um, and I think one of the, the things that really uh, was hard for me was how to move out of sort of volunteerism mode um, or reduce that, not completely abandon volunteerism, but reduce that and move into more of how do I make money out of this and how do I build revenue so that I can build more of my tools and services to reach more people. Um, and, and so that was a difficult part for me is to say, Okay, I can't always help everyone, and it's not always going to be um, something that I can simply mentor someone. Um, mm. And how do I repackage myself to be more empowered to sell um, essentially the important information that I have to share with the world? That's awesome. And you, you mentioned that you have to sort of test out your branding, and I love the name EQ Footprints. Um, and a lot of people don't talk about EQ in the context of their careers and, or even in their personal lives. So you can, t- can you tell us a little bit about how you came up with the name and the importance of EQ uh, to you and your, in your life? 
Yeah, all of my uh, life, starting out at very young childhood, I realized that I was an empath and that I was going to uh, walk the world through my emotions and sensing the emotions of others. And so very early on, I had to figure out how to like limit the impact others' emotions or emotional stories had on me so that I could function. Um, and, I, and I really developed sort of this attentive patient ear for mm. people to share with me. And um, I'm also a solutioner. Being in technology for 20 years, I want to solve the problem. I want to find something that's going to grow and, and, and make things work. And so um, emotional quotient was something that I started to read about, started to understand. You know, a lot of people have heard of Daniel Goleman um, in the early 90s and his book on emotional intelligence 2.0. And I think that is a really good baseline for understanding emotional intelligence. Because when you ask the question, a lot of people don't actually know what emotional intelligence is. They can't define it, which is shocking, really, because we all have it. We all wear it. We all walk around with it. Um, And so I came up with the name EQ Footprints simply because um, I felt like helping my clients was like walking down a new path. Mm. Um, And so emotional quotient, which is your makeup of your emotions um, and, and that concept of walking towards your great next success is what inspired EQ Footprints and my, the baseline for my coaching practice. I also um, was interested in what kind of assessments were out there to support people with better understanding emotional intelligence and how they can leverage or improve their weak spots. Right. Um, and, and so I um, became certified in EQI, uh, which is an emotional quotient assessment tool. So it's an added value to support people who are curious about their EQ and, and how they can rate themselves. And how does EQ play into, um, particularly if you're building sort of a career path, how does that, um, how does it play into that sort of professional world? Well, I think, you know, interestingly enough, when we go through university um, or colleges or trade schools, we're taught about the function and the technical of what we are learning. And very few universities that I've come across focus on soft skills. Mm. Um, I think the old concept was that you learn soft school, soft skills in the corridors or building relationships outside of class. Um, And, and if, and effectively 90% of my career has been based on my ability to build strong relationships and maintain commitments with individuals based on emotional intelligence, the information that I read and the information that I give out. And it, it has hugely supported my ability to negotiate in the boardroom and make deals because I can actually understand with understanding those people a little bit differently, more than just, you know, their point of view, but also how are they feeling when they send that message across or what's their background that would sort of lean them towards a certain way of thinking or, or showing certain emotion awareness. So I think it's, it's huge in, in anybody's ability to build relationships and build strong teams. Mm-hmm. And re- relationships are the key to, to exactly what you just said in terms of strong teams. And I think, um, you know, aside from, from building our teams and getting, you know, everybody motivated around us, it can get pretty difficult sometimes to manage all of the things that are coming at you at the same time and all of the noise that's around you. Um, 
So, you know, in, in your coaching, you talk a lot about, you know, thinking about your next success and continually moving forward. How do you balance that with the importance of kind of staying grounded in the present moment while you think about and plan that next success and that next step? That's a great question. Um, I oftentimes uh, in my keynotes, I talk about uh, the importance of intention. And anybody who knows me knows that intention is quite important to me, myself, in how I guide each day. Right. And effectively, um, what, I, what I share with people is that when you wake up in the morning, you have a few you know, decisions to make. Um, and, and for me, that decision is, am I going to meditate while drinking coffee in my favorite spot? Or am I going <laughs> to meditate while working out of the gym? Um, and what I'm meditating on and what I'm focusing on is my intention. And my intention is really simple. It's to help one person every day. Hmm. And I like the fact that it's simple because I can build on it without a lot of anxiety. And right. I recognize that anxiety is, is very, it's very critical and it's very well spoke of today. It's, it's in everybody's forefront. And it was always there, but I think people are a little bit more open to speaking about anxiety. And, and so intentions and my intention of helping one person every day allows me to focus on why I'm here and what's my next step after I drink that cup of coffee or go to the gym. And it clears my mind of the noise. So the noise could be how many emails do I have today that I have to hammer through I've got 10 meetings in my schedule. How am I going to get through that? Right. How do I navigate that really difficult relationship with my boss? You know, it clears out the noise and allows you to remind yourself, why am I here? And mm -hmm. why I'm here is not just about your mission career-wise, but overlaps greatly with your mission personal-wise. And how do you, so how do you keep that in mind for your personal life? Like, how do you stay true to sort of who you are? For me, um, intention is not just about what you want to do uh, in your career. So it, it aligns with and is the thread that is weaving through your most important critical responsibilities or desires, as I like right. to call them. Um, and so keeping in charge or in sync with um, your responsibilities at home versus your responsibilities at work is A, prioritization, and B, risk management. Two very important things for us to be successful at our jobs, right. um, but equally important for us to be successful at home. Um, you know, as I'm not a parent, but imagining the, the critical list that parents keep in order to keep their children organized, themselves organized, and their, their schedules um, you know, and, and determining at the beginning of your day, allowing yourself to say, if I needed to cut something off this list today and not feel bad about it, what could mm -hmm. I cut off? Giving yourself that mental capacity to say, if you hit the wall, this has got to go and you're okay with it. And you start that day with the buffer um, and in ensuring that you have some time for you. Um, yeah. This concept that we eat through lunch or we eat at our desk through lunch. Um, we don't, you know, go outside for meetings. Obviously, we're all isolated right now. And <laughs> a lot of the practices that we have um, in the office aren't exactly the same. Um, 
but it's important to be mindful about embracing the the positivity around us and being grateful for, well, I'm fortunate that I can work from home or I'm fortunate that I can go out for a walk and balance my time. Um, I, I feel fortunate just being able to put a load of laundry in um, mm-hmm. before a quick call, you right. know? So there is a flexibility, there is a natural balance to what you're trying to achieve and it's being more forethoughtful about that, like putting that in your foremind and, and really focusing and, and realizing it and having gratitude towards it. So I, I actually, I love the helping one person a day because it feels, it feels very attainable. It's sort of a vitable chunk. Um, how did you get to that point? Because I think, you know, we, we start to build this list of all these things that we want to do and all the things that we want to accomplish. And I'm going to do these five things today. But, you know, I, I love that you're focused on that one thing and that you give your permit, yourself permission to drop off, you know, things that are on the list. So how did, what was your journey to get to that point when you had that sort of one goal and, and you figured out your true intention? At one point in time, I had three jobs. And... Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> And the, the the fun part about it is all three jobs um, moved into the same thread, my same intention. So helping uh, the city be smarter through innovation, um, helping individuals uh, with career counseling at a prominent psychology clinic in Toronto and Ottawa, mm-hmm. um, and, and then my own business as well. And so um, juggling those pieces had different uh, push points on me, obviously. Um, and I knew that if I was going to do three jobs at once, um, then I had to be realistic, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. so uh, obviously the, the, the idea to grow my company was, is, is, you know, great. I, it's a great dream. It's, it's still a dream. It's constantly growing. It's like a baby. I'm nurturing it every day. (laughs) Um, but, um, but I had to tell myself that. I don't want to finish each day and say, oh, I didn't have 10 clients or I didn't have five clients or whatever that number is. I feel like I didn't achieve something. Um, And coaching is very personal. So helping one person could take four months. You know, it depends on their ability to connect with what they're trying to do and their ability to do that homework and, and move the dial for themselves. And so um, when somebody succeeds, I am just over the moon. And so, you know, having those stories, having those wins, um, I, it's what keeps me going, what fuels me on. Um, and, and outside of those three roles that I played, I was also a professional mentor in the Toronto wow. Re- Immigrant uh, Regional Committee, which is basically helping newcomers find work in Toronto. And oh, so. It's huge because I got to understand that roadmap through their eyes and what the needs are for their family and be invested in, in trying to get them work. And the track record was between four and five months that they would have a job. And um, the relationships that I built through mentorship are the same types of relationships I built through coaching. And they just, I keep learning from everyone. I'm not you know, it's not just a one-way relationship. I, I, I get so much out of those connections. That must have been a very um, challenging and interesting 
roadmap, especially for new immigrants. It's very intimidating when they, you know, when they first arrive in Canada. How did you sort of pivot to that and, and what did you change to help them uh, get through that transition? Um, one of the things that I have an uncanny ability is to put myself in someone else's shoes, whether I've been there or not. Um, my empathy level is through the roof. And so I just immediately ask questions like, how hard was it for you to uproot yourself from your family and friends in your right. country and come here? Um, what are your fears about the next six months? Let's talk about those up front. Um, you know, what does your spouse need? Do you have children? What are their needs? And not just focusing on the career path, but the, ho the holistic package that yeah. they're trying to manage and telling them it's okay. You can share with me, you know, the other things that you might be dealing with because I might have a network to help you there as well, even though those aren't my areas of expertise, but I want to be an ally and a supporter to your overall experience to coming to Canada as best as possible. Um, and so, you know, not even knowing the fears that they, that they have, um, just trying to extend as much as possible to, um, to, to show them what is Canadian labor law, what is your rights uh, when you get a job, how do you properly go about getting a lawyer if you need additional guidance, um, right. how do you negotiate your salary, what are vacation days, what are holidays in Canada, what um, are expected of you in the first 30 days. Things like that, that we um, may or may not even investigate ourselves um, or take for granted growing up in this company, uh, in this country. Um, and so I just kind of like put together exhaustive information so that they, they really get a sense for what practices will support them and protect them and how they need to protect themselves and to be successful. That's awesome because I think, you know, you mentioned you're putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and I think the empath in you was coming out <laughs> strong during that time. Um, what, what is it like if our, some of our listeners may not have that empath, um, you know, built into them? I, I do, I feel that I do and I, I kind of approach things very similar to you do, but um, there are very different people out there that some don't get empathy at all. They're like, I don't get it, I don't understand. So um, obviously, it's a very important part of building relationships. So how do you coach someone who doesn't naturally have that empath in them? Yeah, um, I think it's important to understand what drives a human being. And you're mm -hmm. right, there are a ton of people out there that you're going to come across that you might say are emotionally vacant, like you just <laughs> don't register at all. Um, it might be the way they're designed. Um, it might be their defense mechanism. Um, there are people that do operate simply by ego and, right. you know, whatever they want will come first. That's, you know, a very broad spectrum of different ways of um, not necessarily demonstrating emotion. Um, and then there's people who like to be more introverted and um, others might seem standoffish, but actually their, their comfort zone is in, in the quiet. Um, and so I think anyone who's kind of looking at how to be more connected, as many of my clients have come to me and asked, um, it's a shy question. And they're saying, basically, I don't know that I always connect with people in a meeting where they understand where I'm coming from. Right. Um, and it's exhausting to me to ask them, 
you know, the fuzzy questions to get to know Mm -hmm. them because it's not my comfort zone to do so. So where is the middle ground? And I tell people by far the first way to read um, emotion is by body language. Mm -hmm. And um, it's important to always take in consideration how people talk to you um, and how they respond to you and what's the body language coming across when they do that. Um, And so, you know, body language is really important. Secondly, tonality. Um, So when you say something, how you say it to someone and how it's received, Um, you might say something without um, any tone difference and they might receive it with different tone difference than you expected. So then it becomes the question of uh, how do I adjust this? And so um, I talk with people about that ability to read the moments. And I get, I asked them for five awkward moments where they could not figure out what went wrong. Um, And those are usually really good examples for us to dissect and understand, Hmm, what happened here? Mm -hmm. So if somebody was trying to do that themselves at home, how would you advise them to dissect something that felt awkward? And what are some of the things they could think about? Zoom meetings give you some visibility, but not everybody actually always has their camera on. So listening to the voice, listening to the words chosen. um, I think when someone comes across abrupt, you have an opportunity to ask them, is this a good time? So when you, when something is, is a behavior that you're not um, you're not really reading as being positive or you're feeling like that person is in a defense mode, then you cut them off with a, a jarring question. And uh, in the middle of a, you know, a normal conversation, nobody would expect you to say, is this a good time? Would you right. prefer we have this conversation another time? And it stops them and, and makes them think about why is she asking me that? And what am I doing to, to give that perspective? And so there's very simple ways to just kind of explore um, what kind of information is being transmitted through that voice or through that sound, through that tonality um, and the type of words. Obviously, we're very, you know, even in text messaging, we're very um, aware that if someone gives one word answers, uh, they're not interested in elaborating and they might be trying to get, you know, get off the subject quite quickly. Um, where you would have to spend time expressing to them, well, we need to have a more deep dive conversation. So how would you, what's, what's comfortable for you to have that conversation? Using words that inject emotion um, softens the conversation and allows people to think more emotionally. Yeah. So that's a really effective. Yeah. People are in sort of this high stress mentality, asking questions like that actually de-escalates the situation and you might actually yes. to connect better with them. Yeah. Um, and speaking about like in, in, uh, in corporate settings and in professional settings, things can get pretty competitive and, and can get pretty intense sometimes. How do you balance that sort of, um, you have to balance the thinking of the organization's overall um, objectives and the value you bring there along with your needs as a human and your needs for sort of your own career progression and that sort of thing. So how do you, how do you balance that in sort of intense competitive situations that you might find yourself in? 
Um, it's important to keep abreast of what's going on from the top level. So really understanding where the organization is going, like you said, keeping in tune to the direction of the, the C-suites, what, what, is, what is the direction that they're sending the company towards, mm-hmm. um, and understanding and predicting change. So change obviously goes with companies doing well, you know, we want to keep this boat going. Um, we're going to invest more or companies not doing well. Um, we need to cut back. And how do we make those cutbacks? So anticipating the kind of change that's going to come towards you and being prepared to, to be that solution. You know, what are some ways that you would give a cutback or give a cost savings? Right. Um, what's your impact on the company? Thinking within your role into the bigger entity is key in being able to determine what level of change you're willing to continue riding out versus I need to pivot because this is no longer aligning with my expectations of this company or this career path. I think the more in tune you are and the more um, you communicate with your your immediate leaders or your leader leaders above them um, on your intentions and understanding of the way that world is shifting and growing, um, helps you navigate your leadership, your own leadership level or your career path um, a lot more easier. Some people um, will choose to do a job and say, you know, I don't want more than this. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, you don't need to climb the ladder if you're satisfied with what's in front of you and, and you get validation from your work. And that's um, perfectly okay. That's, that's it is. Yes. What I do notice, though, is that even individual contributors um, need to identify a pathway where they're communicative upwards yeah. um, so that they understand and are, are tracking their career intentions with that organization. There are some times when you can never foresee change, um, but I believe in you know, really taking a look at the types of leaders and, and, the, and the work that they're executing and the way those teams are shifting and, and how um, uh, that plan, that strategic plan is being unraveled. Um, you know, having that insight helps you really understand what your change, what change is going to impact you down the road to some degree. So um, you found your sort of nation and how you drive, derive value from that. How do you... How did you reach that space where you know exactly what you need to feel rejuvenated, but you're also feeling like you're being productive and that you're getting value out of that time? There's no time wasted in life. I've always been of the believer that work hard, play hard, mm-hmm. um, and do absolutely what you're intended to do. So if you're intended to you know, live your life solo, do that happily, you know, yeah. achieve happiness in whatever you're doing. If you are striving in your, in your personal role or your professional role and you're not happy, that is the underline for everything. Right. Without that foundation, nothing will work. No one can complete you. No relationship can change that. So for me, you know, I really enjoy work hard, play hard because I yeah. get a lot out of both those environments. And my play hard is typically travel, which is totally on hold right now. (laughs) Um, But that's okay. 
I found a way to travel across Canada and yeah. rediscover my province. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I, I'm getting innovative in that space, but I definitely, um, I think that whatever calls your soul, you feed that. And it's yeah. interesting as we navigate COVID uh, pandemic, the the sense of nature connecting with me has been a big driver yeah. for me. And yeah. I really haven't sensed that previously. And so I, when I felt it, I was like, I need to just go full tilt. Like I built a garden, I go for <laughs> hikes, I started yeah. biking, like, and I just, you know, I got on the, the lake, which I never do. And so I just really started to connect with, you know, nature. And it's just been really, really, um, it's, you know, in a non-religious way, it's been a blessing, you know, because yes. I feel like it's allowed me to exit the negativity and refill with some really great memories. Yeah. I know our listeners can't hear me, but I'm like nodding profusely because it's funny. I built what I call my little balcony oasis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lots of plants growing my own herbs, going for bike rides, being outside as much as possible. Um, I think that connection with nature has been actually a, a positive, a huge positive shift, um, you know, out of all of the, the terrible things that have come with COVID. Um, and I think being grounded from travel also gave me a new appreciation for home and, you know, my connection here and, and just how peaceful it can be, um, I think was actually a, a great benefit. So, um, and on that, I think, you know, when it comes to our learnings and everything that we've talked about today, you know, I know your goal is to help one person and I think you've helped many, many, many more <laughs> than one person today. All of our listeners, I'm sure greatly appreciated it. Is there anything else you would like to share before we sort of close off for today? Yeah, I think um, one of the key things that sometimes prevents people from investing in themselves Mm -hmm. um, besides financial difficulty um, and stress of, you know, the priority placements and whatnot. Um, We have to, we always have to take a look at our our financial health um, and say, where can I put my money? What's an investment for the long-term and the short-term? Yeah. And and you also have to do the same financial budget for your mental health and your physical health. Mm-hmm. And so what I tell people is coaching is no different than you going, getting a manicure. Right. I am that person who can't live without my manicure. It's right. one of my, my little <laughs> indulgences. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but it's important to also identify Um, we all, some of us have insurance, some of us don't, but how do we put aside a budget for psychology and, you know, physiotherapy and massage therapy and coaching? And I'm trying to build an awareness on coaching is just as effective as um, reading, as personal training, but what it offers you differently is somebody with a a boatload of experience Mm. um, to really give you tips quickly. So what, you know, what you're trying to master in the matter of um, months or years, if you've gotten to a place where that's not working for you anymore, a coach can transform that for you in a matter of weeks. So 
you know, having one or two sessions may be all that it requires. And so being doing that health budget for your health and your family's health mm-hmm. is just as important annually and weekly and monthly as is your household financial budget. Yeah, and I think, you know, you mentioned that it's, it's coaching on both aspects, I think, because a lot of, you know, women in particular may not have that financial background and have the ability to manage that. And so you're right, I think both are equally important and important for, you know, your balance in life. So I think that's a, a great tip and a great way to uh, close off this podcast for today. So thank you very, very much for joining us. It was a great conversation. I learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners did too. We, we really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And all the best with EQ Footprints. I love the concept and I think it's going to go great, great places ahead of you. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pleasure to talk to you today to all the listeners of CIA. 